anything and everything on the altar of me getting ahead. They used witchcraft, divination, and omens. They literally sold themselves into slavery if they felt like it would get them ahead. Are we any different? Are we really any different? Brothers and sisters, sadly, I think the answer is no. We're really not. The people of Israel sinned and rebelled and were selfish and sought their own way and their own desires. They pursued sexual sin. They, they pursued financial sin. They sacrificed their families. They, 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 they set all of that aside. They, they turned a blind ear and a blind eye to everyone that tried to warn them about how bad this was going to be. Turn from this. This isn't going to actually save you. Turn from this. They, they didn't listen. They didn't listen. They didn't listen. They didn't listen. Are we really different from them? And then you see what happens to them in verse 18. Therefore, the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them out of his sight. None was left but the tribe of Judah only. Well, all right, well, Judah's hanging on. Great. Verse 19. Judah also did not keep the commandments of the Lord their God, but walked in the customs that Israel had instructed and the Lord rejected all the descendants of Israel and afflicted them and gave them into the hand of plunderers until he had cast them out of his sight. God was true to his word. He kept his promise. If you do not repent, if you do not turn, if you do not stop, I'm going to cast you out. From the very beginning, this is how God has dealt with sin. Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden. After God pronounced the judgment on them, the curse, what did he do? Genesis 3.24 kicked him out of the garden. And God's been doing the exact same thing. He kicked, Adam, he kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden. He, ex he exiled the people of Israel out of the promised land. And the same thing for us. What does our sin do? It causes us to be cast out of the presence of God. So here's Israel. Experiencing the full and complete reality of their sin this is one of the great truths of how god works in our lives he allows you on occasion to really experience the full consequence you understand how much consequence is actually being held back in your life it is unbelievable to think about what state we should be in what reality we should be living in but God is grace. Even if you're not realizing it or pursuing him, God in his grace is allowing the full, complete consequence of our sin to not be experienced yet. That's a sign of his grace. He's giving you space to repent. He's allowing you to finally get it right without blowing up everything. He's giving you a chance. But on occasion, also what God does this is an act of his grace as well, allows us to feel the burn. Some of the most sweet, painful, difficult, but God-glorifying times in my life personally has been when God let me feel the weight and consequence of my sin. Because it made the light bulb go off. It made me realize it's time to stop messing around here. 
made me realize that I wasn't holding anything secretly from God like he couldn't see. So you have Israel experiencing this weight of sin. Lamentations 3.45 says that they saw themselves as the scum of the earth. Verse 48 says that so severe and so painful that they literally cried rivers of tears. They were experiencing the full, total, complete weight of their sin. And it was harsh. It was painful. But even in that, they had hope. Limitations chapter 3, verse 22, listen to this. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul, therefore I will hope in him. Let's just think about this just for a second. Again, we talk about coffee cup verses. This is one, right? The Lord's mercies are new every morning. We love that verse. That's great. That's fantastic. My wife and I were actually sharing that verse with one another this morning. We love that verse. But this is why knowing the Bible and really studying the Bible and how it all fits together is so huge. It, it, it blows the lid off and allows you to see how powerful God's word is. This scripture of knowing the steadfast love of God never ceasing. And his mercies are new every day. And he is faithful. And he is my hope. The prophet Jeremiah wrote that while they're being exiled. While they're experiencing the weight and consequence of their sin. This verse was not written when life was great. This verse was written when the people of Israel were so bad, they were eating their own children to live. And what did they say? God, this is hard, and this hurts, and this is painful, but you are good. My hope is in you. You know why it's so good to experience the weight of the sin every so often? Because it's a reminder that I can't put my hope in me. Because I'm going to jack it up. I can't put my hope in me. I am faithless, but God is always faithful. Even when I have to experience some consequence for my sin, God is faithful. He has not left me. He has not forsaken me. He never will. I want you to hear this today. As we go through that 2 Kings 17 and you hear this sin and maybe sins in your own life flash before your eyes and you're saying, that's me and that's me and that's me. I want you to hear, yes, that might be. And you need to see that as sin. But I also want you to see Lamentations 3. God's mercies are there and waiting. God's grace is there. And your hope can be in Him. Today you experience the weight of your sin as a reminder that your hope cannot be in you. It has to be in Him. So it's a reminder of you to turn from yourself and turn to Him. And as the people of Israel are in this exile, even in the midst of that, God is promising them, this isn't going to last forever. I'm going to bring you out. I'm going to bring you out. I'm going to bring you out. And he does. You read the book of Ezra and Nehemiah. It's the the account of God bringing them out of that. And they start to inhabit Jerusalem again and rebuild the temple and start working through that. However, it's not the same thing. The temple isn't as glorious as it used to be. 
Even though they're living in Jerusalem, they're still having to live under the boot heel of, of pagan kingdoms. You're going to go through Greece and then Rome and the New Testament. So they're back, but they're not really back back. And that's by design also. This is so cool. You ready? So God brought his people back from exile. But he didn't send them back the way they were. He didn't just go, okay, guys, let's just run it back and do it all over again. Okay, so I sent you into exile. You learned your lesson. Let's come back. Let's set it all up again. Let's go for it again. He didn't do that. You know why? Because he knew they would just mess it up again. If nothing's going to change, then eventually nothing's going to change. If something isn't repaired, it is bound to be repeated. And so God wasn't going to just put them right back into the same relationship with him. Doing the same thing, hoping that magically it works out better this time. And for some of you, I just described your walk with Christ. You keep trying to run it back. Hopefully this time, somehow magically it's going to be different. This time you really mean it. This time you're really serious. This time you got the right Bible study. It's going to work this time. But it doesn't. It, it's sort of like, so we're in the summertime and everybody's cutting the grass when it rains. And, and so in, if your yard is like my yard, I'm half weeds and half grass, right? And so the weeds grow much quicker and much taller than the grass, right? And so you look out there, boy, that looks horrible. You go out and cut it and everything's the same length and green. And for about two days, that yard looks awesome, doesn't it? You're like... I need an award. This yard is amazing. I need a show on HGTV. I am killing it. But then the weeds start to grow. And they grow so much quicker than the grass. And about day three or day four, the yard doesn't look as great anymore, does it? And this is what many of us are doing in our walk with Christ. You keep trying to cut down the weeds. You don't actually deal with the problem. You don't actually go at it from a root level. You just try to mow down the weeds so that it looks good for a little bit. And then when those weeds pop back up again, you're like, oh, no, 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 no. you got to figure out how to cut them back down again. And then they pop up again, and you cut them back down again. God knew this was going to happen. Again, as you read through the Bible, as you see God's relationship with Israel, this is about more than just God and people Israel. This is about God and you. God knew if it was just, here are some rules and obey them. And every time you mess up, he spanks you and says, obey now, and you obey better this time. That isn't going to work, and he knows it. He knows you need something better. He knows you need something more the reason you see Israel struggling and struggling and struggling and struggling, it's supposed to be a picture of us apart from Christ struggling and struggling and struggling and struggling. You can't do it. You can't make it work. You need a Savior. And the problem isn't your circumstance. The problem isn't your situation. The problem is not your spouse. The problem is not your kids. The problem is not all those people that make you angry. The problem is you. You need to be saved from yourself. 
right? The problem is on the inside. It's like one of those cheesy 80s horror movies, right? The babysitter is on the phone with the operator. The operator's like, the call's coming from inside the house. The killer's inside the house. The real problem is inside your own heart. You need a savior, which is why God desired to do a better work through the better covenant. You read Ezekiel 36 and Jeremiah chapter 31, God proclaiming and prophesying a better truth, a better covenant. In fact, Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 33 and 34, he's describing this covenant. Listen to the way he describes it. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days declares the Lord, I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. God is promising a better covenant, a covenant that doesn't just say, here are the rules, obey them, but a covenant that says, I will literally place my rules inside of you, my law inside of you, I will fill you and seal you up with my spirit, I will empower you to live according to this, I will forgive you of all your sins, past present and future i'll make one sacrifice through my son jesus so that you're always forgiven and made right i will make you my people and promise to never kick you out of my presence ever again you have a better truth you don't have to live striving and working and striving and working like israel did sinning and feeling bad about it and sinning and feeling bad about it you get a better reality a better truth a better life Through faith in Christ. And this is where we pick that up. The Gospel of Luke, and then I'm going to ask our band to come up. Luke chapter 22, verse 19. So this is Jesus. He is celebrating the Passover meal with his disciples. And in that, he is setting up something here. Luke 22, verse 19. says, And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, his disciples, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then verse 20. And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the 